You're listening to the Florida Bar Podcast, brought to you by the Florida Bar's Practice Resource Center, Legal Fuel, produced by the broadcast professionals of the Florida Bar. Welcome to the Florida Bar Podcast, brought to you by Legal Fuel, the Practice Resource Center of the Florida Bar. We're so glad you're joining us. This is Christine Bilbury. I'm a Senior Practice Management Advisor at the Bar and one of the hosts of the show, which is being recorded from our home offices in Tallahassee, Florida. Hello, I'm Carla Eckhart. I'm a Practice Management Advisor at the Florida Bar and a co-host of today's podcast. Our goal at the Practice Resource Center is to assist Florida attorneys with running the business side of their law practices. We focus on a different topic each month and carry the theme through our website with related tips, videos, and articles. So today we are discussing electronic filing, and I want to begin by saying thank goodness we have e-filing and that it was already established in Florida before the pandemic. So that really, I think, helped a lot of um, processes to continue that could have been easily disrupted. So the Florida state court system has worked on automating the filing of court documents for many years. And going back to 2008, the legislature mandated a transition to electronic filing of court records. The statewide electronic filing portal was developed under the direction of the Supreme Court to link all of the 20 judicial circuit courts, the five district courts of appeal, and the Supreme Court. And here at the Bars Practice Resource Center, we get a lot of calls about the e-filing portal. But unfortunately, as we explained to our members, we cannot assist them with their filings. Uh, We can't troubleshoot portal issues. So today we've brought in the expert. Joining us today to discuss all things e-filing in Florida courts is Carolyn Weber. Carolyn has worked with the courts and clerks, both federal and state, for the past 38 years in a variety of roles. She was instrumental in the design and implementation of the federal court's e-filing application CM slash ECF. She joined the Florida Court Clerks and Comptrollers Organization in November 2012 as the Portal Program Manager and has helped in the design and implementation of the Florida Court's e-filing portal. Carolyn has her MBA in Computer Information Systems. Welcome to the show, Carolyn. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, Carolyn, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do in your role as the Florida e-filing portal program manager? Well, as the program manager, I monitor the portal, and if there are issues or concerns, we are there to fix those problems. We also have a service desk, and that service desk is who you would call if you had problems or concerns or if you needed help or assistance filing your documents. We take suggestions for enhancements from the clerks and from also from our filers, from the attorneys. And we run those enhancement requests through the Portal Change Advisory Board and implement as many of those as possible. So my job primarily is to continue to enhance and to streamline the e-filing process and to also monitor the portal and to answer any questions that I can and help the filers in any way that we can. 
Thank you. I, you're going to be answering a lot of questions questions for us today. So I want to take it back. Um, Christine briefly touched upon this in her introduction, but many attorneys are under the misconception that the Florida Bar oversees all aspects of the e-filing portal's management and administration. They call us and, and again, they're, they're heartbroken when we tell them we can't help them. It's not the case. The Florida Bar does not uh, have access to your filings. We cannot assist you uh, with portal issues, with login issues, none of that. But can you take us back a little bit and tell us about the Florida Courts e-filing authority and the court clerks and comptrollers and their roles in the management and administration of the e-filing portal? Well, the e-filing authority board manages the portal. They're basically over the portal, and that consists of the circuit of the court clerks and also for the clerk for the Florida Supreme Court. So they are the ones that manage the portal, and it is overseen by the Florida Court Technology Commission. The FCCC is the design and development of the portal. So they are the ones that have the architecture, the infrastructure, they monitor the systems. They are the ones that help me to implement the portal enhancements. They are the ones that um, basically are owning or running the portal, but the e-filing authority board is over the governance over the portal. And the portal's gone through so many changes. I was surprised when I went back and just kind of did a search of articles and um, and there are so many great resources because this has been a big focus for a while, but it's gone through a lot of changes. And it, at one point, some appellate courts were using a separate portal called EDCA. Is that still the case or does the portal now connect to every court in Florida? And then what about the federal courts? Yes, EDCA, IDCA was used by the DCAs, the District Courts of Appeal, for a while. But as of the last, I believe, five years ago, we pulled all five District Courts of Appeal into the portal. So now the Florida Courts e-filing portal touches all jurisdictions throughout the state of Florida. Now, the CMECF, which is the federal system, is a separate system. They will not be combined if you file federally, you'll go to CMECF. If you file in the state court system, all jurisdictions, you would go to the Florida Courts e-filing portal. And yes, we have made a lot of enhancements over the past 10 years. Um, back in 2013, when the attorneys were mandated to file electronically, both in civil and in criminal, it was the very beginning of the portal. And since then, you will see a number of enhancements that we have put into the portal to help to streamline this process. And while we're on the topic of, of changes and, and bringing in all jurisdictions, when did the use of the portal become mandatory? In 2013, in April, all civil Cases were electronic and the attorneys were required to file electronically to civil cases. In October of 2013, criminal came on board. So that included all of our different case types. And so do currently do all legal filings have to go through the portal or are there some types of matters or areas of practice that don't require the use of the portal? All attorneys should be filing electronically through the portal to all case types. Right. There is some attorneys that say, well, I, I have an exception or whatnot. There are there is, a, I believe, a limited exception, um, but it is mandatory. It's not optional. You shouldn't off the bat consider just mailing your filings to the clerk and then filing in that format unless you've gotten a formal exception, which, again, there's instructions and guidance on that separately on the portal website. 
it is mandatory. It is mandatory. You have to have a judge's order to be absolved from filing electronically. Okay, so here's the most common call, Carolyn, that we get from members about the portal. It goes like this. My filing deadline's tonight. The portal keeps rejecting my document. Can you go in and make it accepted? So we calmly explain that the bar doesn't have any control or access to the portal. It belongs to the courts. And we will point them to all of the really helpful videos and tutorials. So they're going to get to see and hear you a lot if they use those. But they are often too frantic to want to use any of these. So the question is, what's happening? What are the most common reasons a filing is rejected? Well, the, the portal doesn't reject a filing. Um, if it, when it comes into the portal, it goes straight to the county. The county does what they do call clerk review, which means they review the documents, make sure that the documents are formatted properly, that the case number matches the style of the case, that they're going to the right case, all of those types of things. If there is a deficiency with the document or a problem, they can send it to the correction queue. The filer is notified that their submission went to the correction queue and it's also notified of the deficiency. And some of those things would be their standing orders in or administrative orders in a lot of the counties. And some attorneys aren't aware of those standing orders that require an additional document to be filed with certain types of case types. If they're missing that document, that would be a reason it would go back to the correction queue. In the beginning, we had a lot of documents come in that were corrupt, meaning you could you would open it and you couldn't see anything. So they would send it back and tell them your document is corrupt. Please resave your document and submit. So um, a lot of times, too, they will file multiple documents as one document. Each document has to be filed individually. So if it comes in as a multiple file, they'll send that back. Um, if the document is unsigned, meaning their S slash and the attorney's name is not on the signature line, it will go back to the correction queue. Or if the payment does apply does not match the charges due. And for that, most instances, it's the summons. If they want a summons issued or two summons issued and they don't put the correct payment. So those are a few of the reasons why the documents would be sent back to the correction queue for fixing and then resubmitting. And if an attorney has an immediate issue um, with a filing that's sent to the correction queue or with payment, who should they contact to immediately correct that issue? They need to contact the service desk. Uh, there is a help link at the bottom of the portal page, and it will allow them to immediately, if they're logged into the portal and they click on the link, it pulls up all of their profile information so they don't even have to put in who they are and their contact information. They can type in their concern and they send it off, and then they will get a return email or a phone call from the service desk. There's also a phone number on that page. So if they want to pick up the phone and call, they can call. Now, it's sometimes it is manned, but it is not manned 24-7. It would be okay. manned between the hours of 8 and 5. And it, it seems like one of the goals in, in creating the portal was to create some consistency across the different Florida courts. 
but are there still some different rules set by the clerks in different circuits? And if an attorney practices in several circuits, um, do they need to check with the clerk to ask what can be filed through the portal or how things want to get done? Or is there like a miscellaneous option for filings that aren't included in drop-down menus? Well, there's not any filing that's not included. They can file anything they need to submit to the courts through the portal. Standardization is key, and that is a goal that we have been working for towards since the, we began this in 2010. They will see differences in the document description drop down because each of the clerks or each of the counties can create which, whatever document descriptions they need. Now, we are working to come up with standard case types and subtypes and document descriptions that all 67 counties will use. That is in the works and that will happen, hopefully by the end of the year, but I, I can't guarantee it. It's a, it's a big process. But there are administrative orders and standing orders that the judges can enter in the county that make these differences. We have no way of knowing each of these counties and each of the requirements for these counties. But if you go to the news and information section in the portal, once you select your county, they will give you links to documents that will tell you these, this document is required if you're filing a domestic violence case or this document civil cover sheet is required if you're filing a uh, dissolution of marriage. Any of those nuances will be explained in the news and information section of the portal once you get to that specific county. So, like I mentioned earlier, we do like to ask questions for new attorneys um, because a lot of times they avoid asking these questions. They assume everybody else already knows. Or sometimes it's an attorney that's been practicing for a long time, but they've never actually filed. They've had somebody else file. Um, so we want to do a little speed round. And that doesn't mean you have to answer quickly <laughs> or whatnot. Be as thorough as you want to be. But we want to go through basic questions that just often get overlooked. And and yeah, here we go. All right. Easy one. We'll start off easy. How do I get to the e-filing portal? <laughs> <laughs> well, the website address is www.myflcourtaccess.com. And you will see a link at the top that says e-filing portal, or you will see a link down to the bottom right of the screen that says file now. If you click on that, it will take you to the Florida Courts e-filing portal. Perfect. And we'll link to that for our listeners. We'll link to the portal, although you should know where it is, <laughs> but we will link to it. And there are other uh, sites on our page. We have a resource page that also links to uh, the portal and its resources. All right. Next question. How can attorneys register to use the portal and is it limited to Florida attorneys only or can paralegals have a portal login? It is limited to the attorney. However, the attorney can have more than one account. If you go to the home page on the portal down towards the bottom, it will say request account or register. That's where you can select the type of attorney that you are. And we do allow pro hoc attorneys to have a um, ePortal account as well. And you can have, like I said, more than one account, and but it has to be set up in the name of the attorney. So it will require a Florida bar number. And if you put your name exactly as the way you have your name registered with the Florida bar, 
it will automatically do a check and approve your account. If it is not the same, it will require one of our service desk people to take a look at the account and make sure that you are the person claiming to be, you are claiming to be. And Carolyn, I want to, what about um, unrepresented parties? Can a pro se party use the portal? Yes, our self-represented litigants can also sign up to uh, have a portal account. And we probably have over 200,000 self-represented litigants signed up right now. But only about 4,000 of them are actually filing. Okay. I, I, I I would just say that the default for our listeners should be go to the portal and register. Um, there's, there's no way you shouldn't register, even if you're not actively, and, and we recommend this, even if you are not actively filing a case right now, um, go ahead and create your portal account. If you are a new attorney, go ahead and create a portal account simply because you want to get that out of the way. You're going to use it at some point. So just go ahead, create it. It's yours. No one else should be creating an account under your name. Do it. Yeah, and do it ahead of time, not when you're filing us due that night. Yes. <laughs> Please don't wait till 11.55 when your meeting is due at midnight and then come crying, claiming that you got bumped out or your internet mm-hmm. wasn't good or whatever. Because right. we still have people right. that do that. Right. Registration for the portal should be one of those things that should be done if you're practicing immediately. If you're opening your practice that should be on your to-do list. Next question regarding registration. Is there a registration fee? No, uh-uh. there is no fee to file electronically through the portal at all. Only the statutory fees are required and that's when you would be submitting a new case. So no excuse again, <laughs> register for the portal. Right. As you get <laughs> Once you, number. Yes, Good. you need a bar number for it to verify that you are an attorney. Once you get into the portal. Are there instructions to guide me through the filing process? Yes. On every page, there are three help items. We have a FAQs, we have a video, and we also have the user manual. And they're linked on every page of the portal. Now, outside of the portal filing pages, does the portal offer any training materials or filing support? Yes, uh, the filing support would be through our service desk. But if you would like, you can also go to the help menu on the e-filing authority board's webpage, which is that www.myflcourtaccess.com. There are training videos out there as well as user manuals. And I would really recommend that you take a, a quick look at a couple of those training manual or training videos just to get an idea as to what the filing process would be. And once you click on it, it will say, welcome to the Florida Courts e-filing authority (laughs) every time. (laughs) Yeah, I I always suggest people watch those. And also, if you have them saved, check back. They are updated. Mm -hmm. The portal is constantly going through updates. So the FAQ manuals and the filer manuals and whatnot, they are updated. So just because you've read it before doesn't mean you shouldn't go back and read it again. Exactly. You have more support for users than any software I have ever seen before. Right, right. There, there really is no mm-hmm. excuse. It's, it's, it's really wonderful. And I, you know, we link to it on our website and we offer it to our members. But again, uh, we just have to repeat it because it is the best support and training you can get for the portal because it's coming directly from the source. Mm-hmm. So no training information I give you is going to be better than that coming from the portal. 
We do update the manuals with every release we have. And I also update the videos with every release we have. So we try to keep it all current. Perfect. How do you pay for filing fees in the portal? What payment methods are accepted? We will take a credit card, uh, American Express, Visa, Discover, and MasterCard, or you can play with an ACH account. Either way works. Is there a fee to pay on top of the filing fee? There is a convenience fee to file with the credit card and the ACH account, and it is explained in the portal. All right. When an attorney is filing a PDF, any document actually, are they required to strip the metadata from the document? And will the portal be able to tell if they don't? They are required to strip the metadata. The portal, like I said previously, does not reject anything that comes in. So you briefly mentioned the PDFA requirement that is coming up the in the middle of this year. I think it's June of 2021. We will not reject a filing. If you don't submit a PDFA document, we will take what you submit and convert it to a PDFA document and then send it to the county only when they're able to store or save that PDFA. So although the deadline is deadline is June of 2021, we won't begin converting every single document at that time. We'll convert as the counties are able to accept them. And right now we have two counties, Orange and Hillsborough, that are currently able to store in their case maintenance system a PDFA document. So everything that comes in, we are converting to a PDFA if it isn't already one and sending it only to those two counties. Every other county gets a TIF right now. And we like to keep it really straightforward. So PDFA, I believe the A stands for archive or what's the, what's the A for? Archive. Yes. And can you just yes. kind of clue the listeners in if they haven't heard of that phrase, what that means? It um, means, see, your documents are going to have to be pulled up at a later date by, as you know, technology advances at a very quick speed. So the archivability of a document is vital because these documents have to be maintained for 20 years on a criminal case. So the ability to pull those documents up 15, 20 years from now has to be there. And the PDFA right now is the preferred format. And we, again, we'll link to it, but on our website and, again, the ePortals help manuals and training materials also have instructions on on PDFA, but we have that. We will link to it um, in the links below the podcast episode for our listeners. So if if you want to come back and check later, they will be there. Great. Are there any forms in the portal? So we often get callers asking us for legal forms. And a lot of them are basic, so they'll be it's their forms that are included in forms libraries. But is there any kind of form in the portal for you know a basic you know notice of appearance? Let's say no for a document like that, a pleading like that. There there isn't a form. The one thing that the portal does do is when you create a new case, a civil case, we will generate the civil cover sheet uh, nice. that was recently updated the beginning of this year. And so when they fill in their case information to begin a new case, we will take that information and create the civil cover sheet so that the filer does not have to include a civil cover sheet that they have created themselves. So that is the one form, so to speak, that the portal will produce. But I also kind of wanted to let you know that we have a DIY Florida 
which is in the portal for our self-represented litigants. It's also for attorneys if they care to use it, but it is an interview process that will walk the filer through a series of questions. It will generate the document for them. It will sign the document for them. And once they have completed the interview process, it drops them into the filing path in the portal. So all they need to do then is complete the submission and it goes straight to the county. Wow, like a TurboTax for them. Like (laughs) TurboTax, exactly. Very similar to that. Fantastic. And that's- I did not know mm -hmm. that. Yeah, we have that for eviction, tenant eviction. We have it for small claims and the answer. We also have it for the nine interpersonal violence petitions, and those are out there and available in the portal right now. Fantastic. Next question. Is there a file size limit on documents filed through the portal? Yes, there is. Not on, well, the submission, which could include one document or 50, cannot exceed 50 megabytes in size. Your document can be up to 50 megabytes in size, but not larger. And the reason we have the file submission limit is because of service. We provide service of your document. And right now, most e-service providers, your email providers, cannot take an attachment greater than 10 megs. So we have to take those large documents, parse it out into 10 megabyte file sizes, and send it out as a service attachment to all of the people on your service list. So for a 50 meg file, we would have five e-service emails to go out on that document. So that's the reason why the limit is where it is right now. I'm glad you brought up service because, so you you can serve or do e-service through the portal, but do you also, in addition to the portal e-service, have to do uh, the email service required under the rules or is it in lieu of email service? The service through the portal is the preferred method of service. Um, You can choose to do email if that's what you choose to do and not serve the portal through the portal, but you don't have to do both. If you serve through the portal, that's the preferred method. And I believe the rules reflect that. Right. And that's sufficient. So you don't, you don't have to then send a follow-up email if you serve through the portal. Correct. Great. Wonderful. Uh, Another document question. Do attorneys have to use a certain font for documents and are there other formatting requirements? The only uh, font requirement is for the DCAs in the Florida Supreme Court. And they have to use 14 point Arial. And uh, there's another one, I believe. But, But that's in the news and information section as well. There's a document there that we have linked that has the requirements for the DCAs in the Florida Supreme Court. For the trial courts, unless there is a county-specific requirement, which I am not aware of, um, you can file your document in any format. Now, remember, if you're converting your documents to a PDFA, you've got to include all of the embedded fonts in that document, which is why the document on how to create a proper PDFA is important, because most of the time we're seeing that the entire font for that font that they're using is not embedded in the, the document and it comes up as an invalid PDFA. So don't go out there and use some strange font because every every font that is coming in, we have to support in the portal. So we have to also embed those fonts in our servers in order for everything to work properly. So try to go back with to your basic Times New Roman 
Cambria, Calibri, the the basic are aerial fonts. No Comic Sans. Nobody wants to right. see that. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, there's a few I would prefer <laughs> not to see, but we'll we'll leave that for another podcast, perhaps. Um, so how can an attorney tell if their document is filed? So they they upload the documents, they hit submit. What do they get after that? Well, they'll get a notification and we really notify you to death of your filing. <laughs> but a notification, Good. it's been filed. A notification when it goes to the clerk. And then a final notification when it's been accepted by the clerk and filed. But they can also go to their My Cases page or their My Submissions page, click on Refresh, and they'll see the status of that filing. And once it's accepted by the clerk and filed, it will reflect the filed status. So can they tell immediately if it got kicked to a correction queue or is that going to happen later? Absolutely. Yep. As soon as it goes to the correction queue, their status would say correction queue. And it tells them over to the right of that the reason why it was sent to the correction queue. Plus they get an email and an email goes to all of the e-service recipients, also telling them that the document is in the correction queue so that they know that that document has not been filed yet. Okay, great. And I just want to point out to our listeners, if you are not getting these email notifications or if this is Mm -hmm. news to you, uh, check your junk folders, make sure you whitelist the portal, um, add them to your contacts, do everything so these notifications do not bypass your inbox because I'm afraid that that's not going to be an excuse if an order is filed and uh, Mm -hmm. you miss it. I don't think you can get out of uh, any negative repercussions. So make sure that you are getting these notifications. If you file something and you don't immediately get an email, something's Mm -hmm. wrong. All right. Next one. Can an attorney amend a document that they have already filed? Only by filing another document, title it amended. Um, So once a document is filed, it's filed. Once it's filed, it's filed. Once it's submitted, um, you can't even really contact the clerk and say, oh, I did this by mistake. I don't want it. Can you send it to the correction queue? That should not be happening. I can't guarantee that it isn't, but it should not be happening because once it's submitted, it's considered filed. It has the official file stamp date and time right across the top of the document. So final documents only, people. <laughs> right. Just in case. Don't save your drafts. You never know. Again, if, if there's a problem with your document, it'll go back to the correction queue. Most likely the clerk will catch it. Right. If you just decided, oh, I don't want to file that now or whatever, it's too late. Okay. Right. This isn't your personal OneDrive where you can store your drafts. So please, final documents only. Um Is there any other important information or filing tips you have for attorneys that may be new to the portal? Yeah, you kind of mentioned it when you said it isn't your draft. We do have a workbench where you can go out, you can start a submission, you can stage it all the way up to the end and put it on your workbench and come back at a later date and finish it up and file it. So new cases that you might have that you want to get stored and and ready to go, it will stay on your workbench for seven days and then it will be deleted if it's not filed. But that is kind of like your draft folder. You can use that as a draft folder. Filing draft. Your legals will go ahead and stage a new case up and put it in that workbench and then tell the attorney, okay, this is ready to be filed. 
go into the workbench, take a look at it. If everything looks good to you, you can submit it. And then that way the attorney has a chance to check and verify that everything's accurate and then they can send it off and submit it. But that's an excellent mm-hmm. practice, actually. I'm glad you mentioned that because oftentimes the paralegals will do the complete filing. So attorneys should definitely take advantage of the workbench yeah. uh, feature because, you know. You and that's know. perfect for while people are working remotely. Um, if the attorney's mm-hmm. saving right. it there, the paralegal has access to it no matter where they are. Um, I feel like you've thought right. of everything, Carolyn. Very nice. Okay. All right. So there was a very recent Florida Bar News article I saw yesterday that discussed the Florida Bar's rules of Judicial Administration Committee that they will be looking at how exhibits, which used to be hand carried to the courtroom, can be submitted electronically. So in its mm-hmm. current iteration, what type of exhibits can be submitted through the portal? Because like Dory, Dory Foster Morales, that's our current president, was talking about she does family law and she may have videos and photographs. And so what if it's a color photograph or a color-coded chart? What are the limitations right now? Well, it is in a topic of discussion. And really, the, the key is when and whether the case maintenance system that these will ultimately be stored in can accept and house colored documents because they will magnify the file size exponentially. Ah, yeah. So it makes a huge difference if you have a color document as opposed to a black and white document, up to as much as 60 times wow. the file size on a PDFA if it goes to color. So as far as videos right now, again, it's the same thing. Can your CMS, can the case maintenance system where these documents and videos would be housed, can they store them? We can take them. It's whether or when the CMS can store them. As far as uh, exhibits like a gun or something like that, they'd have to take a picture and then they would file the picture as the exhibit that was produced at a trial or a hearing. Um, we're, we're in discussion with um, members, other other work groups to figure out whether what the courts want to do and uh, what the clerks are able to do. But a lot of it is going to hinge, in my opinion, on the case maintenance systems in the clerk's office and when they're able to store because storage, right, you know, could be a huge issue. Right. And, and and again, this is all very fluid. Everything is changing. Yeah. The pandemic certainly accelerated uh, certain processes and, and made us, I guess, realize where we were lacking and what we need to improve and so on and so forth. But overall, the e-filing portal is a fantastic <laughs> portal. I mean, and, and again, I can't stress enough how great the training materials are. There, there really is no reason to go anywhere else. But that said, (laughs) we were excited to learn that one of our Florida Bar member benefits, uh, ProCertus LLC, offers a web-based legal technology assessment that trains on and evaluates legal professional skills uh, with Microsoft Word, Excel, PowerPoint, PDF, and the Florida Courts e-filing portal. Currently, the e-filing module itself is eligible for one hour of CLE um, or technology CLE. So I would say that's the plus of going elsewhere for training because you get one hour of uh, tech CLE credit. It's a great training tool, but it's also an excellent way to test potential new hires that claim to have uh, any kind of proficiency with the portal. Um, 
And as soon as we found out about it, we immediately learned that you were involved in its development. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit, a little bit about the resource and uh, your participation in its development? Well, it was um, you. Actually, I forgot all about that until you <laughs> in the email. But yeah, we did collaborate with them, give them some um, ideas for questions, uh, some of the different requirements or or um, proficiencies that might be necessary to be able that the person would possess and able to file through the portal. Uh, it's very basic. It's very intuitive. So we just kind of provided the step by step process to go through and the, and the document type that would be uploaded. And this was quite a few years ago when I think we were we were still taking in WordPerfect documents, which we are no longer. <laughs> so, it probably needs to be updated by now. Right. Yeah, it was it was fun to work with them mm -hmm. and they were a very good partner. And I was very happy to to participate and to help in any way that I could. And there is a question I missed now that you mentioned WordPerfect. Um, this was an issue, I believe, in 2018. What browsers are mm. not supported uh, by the e-filing portal? Well, old browsers, uh, primarily. Um, let's see. We have some uh, Microsoft, let's see, Windows 7 people that are using Internet 6 and Internet 7. Um, Internet Explorer, that is. We hopefully would like everyone at least on Internet Explorer 11. That would be best. But we do support my, um, we do support Google Chrome, Firefox, Safari. Uh, there's Edge, Microsoft Edge. There's a lot of them out there. Um, if I could get to my computer, I've got most of them on my desktop because I have to, we have to test all of these to make right. sure that everything works properly right. anywhere. But there's not many we don't support. It's just your really old mm -hmm. version. Which people still yeah, use. Which, so I just want well, to it's, emphasize It's a good point. That. Like, so whether it's because of the portal, um, if you're practicing law in Florida, you have a duty to make sure that um, the security patches are up to date, that the, what you're using is actually still supported by the manufacturer. So please update all of those systems. Um, it's it's a big cybersecurity risk. Um, it plays into a lot of things, but it's going to make your life simpler if you just go ahead and, and get the newer versions of those. And Carolyn, earlier you already mentioned some exciting things that are going to be changed or updated in the next version of an update. When do you expect there's going to be another major change or, you know, overhaul of the portal and what kind of things are planned for that? What should we be looking forward to? Our, we have a, a release 2021-01. It goes, probably will go out in April, the end of April. And in that we have rewritten our e-commerce piece, which is your payment engine. So there might be a few changes that will be coming to the filers. Uh, they will more than likely have to re-enter their credit card information. Right now, the portal gives them the ability to enter the credit card or the ACH number and then save that for, for, for future use. Mm -hmm. We don't save the actual number. We save a token within the portal. But it does allow them to choose it from a drop down, and then they don't have to re-enter all of that information every single time. When we go to this new payment engine, that will all be erased, and they will more than likely have to enter in that information one more time. They will also have to provide some sort of identification, a driver's license number, a passport number. 
Um, this we will advertise out in the portal through the news and information section and then also on the help section prior to this all transpiring. But that's going to be our biggest change that's coming. And it's it's not going to be so noticeable to the filer except that inconvenience. Once they make those changes, it will then just be the same process. But we all know how um, people really don't like change very much. <laughs> Especially <people>. attorneys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so don't freak out if your credit card, you saved credit card information there and then suddenly it's not there. It was an update. That is right. Re-input your information. And, and that's going to take a lot of work on the development side. So as far as enhancements, like when we added the file of the same document to multiple cases and file documents to multiple cases, uh, it's not anything. I love those because I can see the benefit of those. And those are really big changes. But this one is bigger. It's just not going to be as visible. So they won't see that much change in our next release. But that's primarily what we're working on right now. Great. Well, it looks like we've reached the end of our program. Thank you, Carolyn Weber, for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you. And so I want to say again, if our listeners have questions about the portal or the resources that are available to them, I want to give you another opportunity to tell them how to get there, where to find it. Sure. At the bottom of the portal, it says e-filing support. If you click on that link, there's a phone number there that you can use, or there's a form that you can fill out and submit your question, or you can send me an email. I'm happy to help in any way I can as well. Excellent. If you like what you heard today, please rate us an Apple podcast. Join us next time for another episode of the Florida Bar podcast brought to you by Legal Fuel, the practice resource center of the Florida Bar. I'm Christine Bilbrey. And I'm Carla Eckhart. Until next time, thank you for listening. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalFuel.com. Don't miss an episode by subscribing to the Florida Bar's podcast via iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and RSS. Find the Florida Bar's Practice Resource Center, Legal Fuel, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by the Florida Bar. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.